In today's episode, my guest and I are going to cover a lot of ground. Not only did she receive a very difficult diagnosis about her baby, but she too received a very serious medical diagnosis while she was pregnant. And we talked about the impact of both those diagnoses on both her and her baby and how they played out in her relationships, her career, and the journey that she has taken so far. Welcome to the Pause to Remember podcast. My name is Amy Pelkey. I'm a practicing CRNA yoga teacher and mother to one son here on earth and one daughter who was stillborn. If you are a healthcare provider who has experienced pregnancy or infant loss, this podcast is for you. My goal is to offer resources, conversations, and mindfulness-based grief tools to help providers like you build the courage to acknowledge and process your emotions, the strength to carry your grief, and resilience so you can preserve your career, relationships, and overall well-being while honoring the memory of your baby. I want to assure you that you are not alone in your grief. I am thankful that you are here today. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. I would like to welcome my guest today, who is Brenda Bean. She is a licensed social worker, and she is going to share a little bit about her son, Tucker, and her journey with motherhood and losing Tucker. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you. You're welcome. Be here. I recognize that um, talking about Tucker may have some difficult moments for you. And it's one of those things that grief is something that we carry with us for a lifetime. And I think it's really generous of you to not only share his beautiful life, but also to share some of the ups and downs of your journey as well. So others who may be experiencing some of the same feelings can maybe feel like they're a little bit less alone and be able to have somebody to relate to somebody like you. And so I just want to say thank you before we even begin for taking the time to share thank this you. conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want to tell me and the audience a little bit about Tucker or your pregnancy? Where do you want to start? Well, you know, I'm still a licensed social worker. Currently, um, I'm on social security disability. I had a great job. I um, had just started it. And lo and behold, I, I found out I was pregnant. And this would have been baby number 10. And while between my husband, we have a large family and I wasn't happy because I had just got the perfect job. I felt, yeah, I just, I was looking great, feeling great. And then we had him, um, well, the first ultrasound, because I am an older mother. Uh, I was 43 at the time. So I went and we did the ultrasounds and we did everything that we were supposed to do. And I just felt this pregnancy was a lot different. Was it almost like a sixth sense that only a mother has? Yeah. 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 So when we went to the first ultrasound, looking at it, it just like, it looked like he had a lot of fat on the back of his neck. It just didn't look right. And so 
after that, we go and talk to the maternal fetal medicine doctor. And he's like, um, he first thought a diagnosis of cystic hygrama. Devastating to me. Devastating to my husband. You know, didn't know what it was. They didn't really tell us they wanted us to go for the uh, the further testing. Had the uh, just the blood test. I didn't do any, you know, like amniocentesis or anything. And then, I mean, the doctor told us that you know it's it's one of three things, and he thought either trisomy twenty one, um, trisomy nine. And or trisomy 18, and he's like, and two of these are not conducive with life. So devastating. Immediately after I ended up quitting my job. After you got the diagnosis? Yeah. So it was almost like another loss on top of, or no? The problem was, is that probably, I'm going to say two days after the diagnosis, I started feeling strange just feeling odd like the right side of my body it was completely numb I couldn't stop crying so I quit my job and it was my dream job I was happy so happy but I didn't know what was going on and it's very hard to cope you know um I waited for five weeks before I went to the VA. I had an MRI on, and they found a large aggressive lesion on my brainstem. The loss was huge. You know, not only losing my son, I lost my career. And uh, nobody really talked to me about, well, I mean, they really wanted me to get an abortion. The doctor suggested it. And I I thought about it, thought about it. I couldn't do it. So I carried him. And the, there was a 20% chance that he was going to be born alive. Um, which is not good. <laughs> but I was on... Um, an awful lot of steroids because of my MS, my flare-up, and I don't know. He was born alive. <laughs> he was. He was such a breath of fresh air. Just a. It was exciting. It was very exciting. It. We knew that he was going to pass away. Uh, my husband did not take that very well, but I think when you carry the whole nine months, you just feel, I don't know, it's just, you have a special bond that only you can have. So he did, he, he made it for six days and we just, I couldn't stand watching him struggle with the breaths. We put him on hospice and he passed away. I'm glad that you had six days with him. Yes. Meeting him, I think it was very important. I had the bond in, you know, in utero. and But my husband, that was a blessing. 
that was a blessing that he got to meet his grandparents, his siblings. It was, it was a really, it was a huge blessing. And it took me a long time to even talk about it. I mean, it's been, he'll be, he would have been five years, October 8th this year. And we think I can really tell you is that self-care is very important. It's very, just taking that special time out for yourself or doing something. It was the worst thing that had ever happened to me and my family. I don't think any parent thinks that they're going to kiss their baby goodbye. No, okay. no. And, and I felt bad because, you know, I really wanted him to be in the, you know, he's in a little incubator and I just, I didn't want to hold him. I wanted him to get all the medical attention he can get. You know what I mean? I don't think it really sat. I don't think I realized that, you know, for those six days that he was going to die which was weird, but we got plenty of pictures and we let go. Do you think for those six days you were just holding on to each moment? Yes. Yes. It was very devastating to know in the back of your head that you know that he's going to pass, but to want him to have all that special support you know what I mean through the medical team and, and not realizing it. it's like oh you know my baby he's gonna come home with us and maybe pass away at home no none of that happened like that and it's just it was very difficult and being a social worker I think being in the healthcare field period I think you have a lot a lot of empathy for people and I think you just don't know how you're gonna you know you, your understanding is happening to you but yet you have to be strong for everybody else and I think that is a very difficult thing to do I agree and I think we are so ingrained like our, our profession is a part of the fabric that weaves our our souls together and it's a, a piece of our identity and I, so to flip gears and go from the provider role to the, you know, patient role or the the parent of the patient is a very foreign thing for us. And nobody trains us to be on the other side of things. We're trained to be the provider and the right. caretaker. So to be able to accept that when we're used to giving it, that's out of our routines. Right. Yeah. Right. I worked in mental health for many years prior to um, going into long-term care mm -hmm. as a social worker. And um, that's exactly how I felt. I, I don't know how to be the patient. And I think that's why I put off my medical, just even getting checked out because I felt weird. You know what I mean? So with the exacerbation of the MS, I, I didn't know what it was. I just felt different, but I'm not used to being the patient. I am. I am. I was always the one that would, I did emergency mental health. So it's very difficult. It's very difficult even to reach out. I felt that way, that I didn't think that I needed therapy. I didn't think that I needed any help, but I did. I did. And it was probably the best thing that I've ever done.
but it's still very difficult as you know the years progress I don't think that pain ever goes away no I think grief is and loss is something that we carry with us for a lifetime and there are different points in time which that grief kind of bubbles to the surface of our awareness more so than other times so you know, maybe next year as your kids are going off to school, you think, oh, Tucker would have been going off to kindergarten. Or, you know, maybe there's um, another child the same age and you see that child and think, oh, man, Tucker would have been doing this or Tucker would have been I have that. a granddaughter that they were three months apart. Mm. So, yeah, that's okay. You have to go on. Yes. It's okay to not be okay sometimes too, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the devastating part when seeking therapy, getting therapy, was the week of Tucker's first year of passing away. The therapist canceled my appointment and it was really devastating. So I I leaned a lot on my family. I leaned a lot on my, uh, my friends. And my coworkers that I, you know, worked in mental health. I'm, I'm going to give the therapist the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just weren't completely aware of the time frame. Of oh the yeah, I don't, I don't blame. I don't blame anything on the therapist. You know what I mean? Absolutely yeah. not. I mean, but it was, it was, it was difficult. Absolutely. <laughs> was there? A moment that you can identify that was a turning point for you to decide I need help and I'm going to go get therapy? Yeah. My husband and I were not doing well (laughs) at the time and we were not. It's, I was on a lot of prednisone and I was very agitated and, and everything. And I didn't think our marriage was going to make it. I had filed for divorce. It was done. But then he, things changed. He started going to therapy and seeking help also for this. And that was the turning point that I wasn't alone. I felt alone until I went and seen the therapist, until he went and seen a therapist to understand how, you know, what I'm feeling and how he's feeling. I mean, that was the turning point. We've been together. It'll be 10 years this year. So, Wow. Um, I think it's really brave of you to have that moment of vulnerability and say, hey, my marriage wasn't doing well and be really honest about that. And I feel like others will benefit from hearing you say that. And so I really appreciate that moment of honesty here about how tough it was for you and your husband. Yeah. Do you feel like the therapist was re-communicating things in a different way to help the two of you understand the other person's perspective? Do you feel like you were just grieving so differently that, you know, it was clashing somehow? Is there anything you can pin? I mean, my husband also is in the healthcare field. He's a nurse. And I think we both were grieving completely different and I think I was so angry and she well the therapist because I did had another one she made me see that you know it's 
not all his fault. It's not, I don't know that she just, she made a huge difference. I, I can't even explain it. It's okay. You don't have to know. I just, sometimes I just ask these, these things because sometimes there is something in particular that stands out and other times there isn't and, and not everything has to be explained. I think the turning point with my marriage and everything getting better when he realized and I realized that he had needs too. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was, I wasn't selfish. I didn't think I was being selfish, but I think that I'm not the one that carried him. You're supposed to be there for me. At that point, even prior, when I was pregnant with Tucker, I was so sick and I couldn't even take care of myself. And I think I wasn't trying to be selfish. I, I wasn't selfish. It was, I was angry. And that's a very real emotion. Oh, I was very angry. Is there moments that you still feel angry? No. With Tucker passing, there's no doubt in my mind where he's at. I think we all go through things in life. and There's a reason. There's a purpose. And I think that's what it what it is it's just a there is a reason we had to go through that difficult but we did it being you know a few years out five years out now almost do you feel like this the time has created space for you to maybe shift your perspective of things I'd like how my perspective on I'm more patient (laughs) the time over the years it's helped me and it feels like I'm healing. I don't think it's ever anything I'm ever going to get over. And I mean, time helps just everything has changed in my life. And, And I'm thinking it's not all a bad thing either. You know, it really isn't, you know, being a social worker, even being in healthcare, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. And I think possibly that God was putting me on pause and saying, you know what, you need to take care of you. And this is how we're going to do it. And I really honestly believe that still here today, I, you know, we have beautiful children and, you know, and I'm still the mom, you know, I, like I said, their Tucker was number 10. So they're, I mean, we have a very large family I mean, they're all, not all of them are little kids anymore. And there's a bunch of adults, but, you know, I do still have a six-year-old and, and I have a nine-year-old and my husband has uh, twins from previous marriage and just hoping that, I don't know. One day at a time. One day at a time. I think that's the, that's the hard part. You know, it's, it's something you never forget, but it's not something that you always talk about either every day. Absolutely. I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. I just want the tears to stop flowing. Mm. Sometimes the emotions just flow on their own accord (laughs) and we just don't have control over it. And I think as healthcare providers, we, you know, there's a certain part of us that like to control things. You know, most of us are pretty much into, you know, achieving things, getting our degrees, being on top of things, helping, you know, and so this rips that sense of control and ability to, you know, carry on our normal routines. And And that, that feels uncomfortable. 
Right. And it just, you know, and it, it going through everything, I know that my, my situation is a lot different than, you know, other people's situations, you know, with losing a child, but I just think everything just got put on hold. And I think the more I talk about it, the better off that I'm going to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Can we circle back for a moment? Um, You had mentioned when you were receiving the different possibilities for diagnosis and whatnot. If you had a friend who was in the situation of being offered to continue to carry the baby versus terminate the pregnancy, looking back at it, is there anything that you could offer another family going through that decision? Okay. Cause I struggled with this. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The only advice that I can give is got to follow your heart. You got to do what's the best for you in your situation. And you can't think of everything. I mean, had, had I aborted Tucker, I'd probably still be working. Okay. And that's a hard pill to swallow. I feel like God's got me mm-hmm. all the time. And that is a choice that, you know what I mean? It could be an easy choice for you, or it could be a difficult choice, but don't feel like you're going to be judged because you're not, you have to do what's right for you and your family. But more importantly, you have to do what's right for you. I could not go through it. I just couldn't. It was, I just felt morally conflicted. It was very, very difficult, but things may have been way different today, but I don't have any regrets. I think you saying to trust whatever is best and turn out the noise. I feel like there's so much noise surrounding the decision, whether to terminate a pregnancy or not at this point, that whether you need to turn off the news or turn off the social media and turn inward. And maybe that's when you start bringing in the therapist, you know, if you're struggling with that decision, you know, I think that's really, really well said about trusting what you need and not worrying about what's going on outside of your home when you're making the decision. That is not a decision that can be made by anyone but the person carrying the child. That's it. That is not, it should not be a political, it should not be a religious decision. It, it, it has to, you got to take that moment and you got to look at your, yourself and, and figure it out. And what do you think is in the best interest for you? And I think just being able to have that conversation with your providers and to be able to take all the medical information and be able to put it in a very concise order so that you know what the facts are, what the pros and cons are of the decision so that you can make that decision with somebody you trust who knows you and understands medicine and the consequences of each decision. Right. Um, I think- that is a piece that is being missed right now in the conversation. I feel pretty much the same way you do. It's a very individualized decision, but having been through it ourselves, you know, I'm really glad that it could be part of the conversation. And for anybody who can't have that conversation with their, their medical team right now, I think that that adds another layer of stress to a decision like this. So I just want to, you know, share my support to anybody who's going through that decision right now at this time. Right. And then, you know, five years ago where I live, 
they still didn't want to like it wasn't covered under any medical and even though you don't understand it's like wait a minute how how can that decision be I just feel like I wasn't all the blame I think that they had a portion in it I I do not I always felt and this is one of the reasons also why I didn't have it done if they thought that me losing my job my career then someone or the hospital you know even with insurance someone would pay for it so it was to my when we did we navigated through all of the options and you know what we could do that was all if if i chose that route to get an abortion that was all on my husband and i all of it they wouldn't do that i mean they didn't think that it was a hospital type setting that I go, you know, have this done. It it was the strangest thing. If if you feel that I am going to be okay after all of this, you know what I mean? Because I did have this, you know, I do have this sickness. If you didn't think that that was important so I could support my family, I, it, it, I'm all over the place with this, but my whole point was if no one's, if I can't go into the hospital and have this procedure done, even though my son is going to die, if they don't think it's a medical issue, then I think I felt like, why should I feel it's not that important? It was important. It, I'm just, that's a very touchy subject with me, but having that put on your shoulders and, and it just felt like, okay, I, couldn't go to any hospital here in Ohio to have anything done. They wanted me to go to Michigan. I think I carried hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this is strange, but I think I was carrying hope that, you know, the whole pregnancy that, you know, there's going to be a good change. There's going to be a miracle. And their miracle was that he was born alive. Mm -hmm. And I think you point out something in that in the moment that you're making the decision, you can't see the ripple effect from that decision. And it's hard to blindly trust yourself in that moment that that decision is going to play out exactly the way it's supposed to. And I think right. it's, I think you've very eloquently been able to say, carrying him made it so that I had to pull back on my career and that might have significantly impacted my health in a positive way because of the stress that I was under in the workplace. And Absolutely. so, but in the moment, trying to decide whether to terminate your pregnancy or not, you can't see all of no, that. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not for me. I, I may not do that, but I am not, I'm not the, the judge or jury on somebody else's life. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's a very what a decision to have to make. It's a very soul searching. Yes. And very quick amount of time that you have to do. And I just, I, my heart goes out to, to anyone in the situation. Mine does too. We've talked a little bit about palliative care for Tucker. We've talked a little bit about the decision to stop working. You want to talk a little bit about relationships because you've touched upon your struggles with your marriage. Did mm -hmm. any of your other relationships change or you reevaluated friendships that you were surprised at? Oh yeah. Coworkers. I 
don't really talk to any of them anymore. It's, it's, um, when I was at my darkest moment, it just felt like no one was there for me, you know, especially having all the background in mental health. I've got a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, what this has done to me is I focus on me and my happiness. I lean on my support system, but my greatest support system is my husband and my best friends. You never know how things are going to play out in the tougher times. And I know there is a sense of loss from so many other areas of our lives. Once we go through losing a child and sometimes we don't talk about those things either. And I think it's healthy to have those conversations. It is. It's difficult and it's difficult for some people if they've never been through it. I mean, I had such a loss, you know, tragic, but it's the support systems that I had in place that has helped me through it because I don't, I just, I feel blessed. Mm -hmm. I do with, with my relationships now, even my marriage. He's a great man, (laughs) but we're a great team. We are. And it's very rewarding to have such a compassionate husband and someone that finally it felt like, because he went through his therapy that he understands and that we can have conversations. It's very, it's still very difficult for, for us to even talk about Tucker, but we're a team. Mm -hmm. Do you um, have any special things that you do in memory of Tucker, whether it's around his birthday or the holidays or anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, birthdays we we still do to the cake everybody loves cake (laughs) yes we we do I mean it's it's always a very uh sorrowful time you know what I mean dad but we do a lot of things as a family Mm -hmm. and um Tucker is always always with us I think it brought my husband and I closer going through that mm-hmm. really did. And um, what we did is we started a bike team. All the kids are BMX racers. So we, you know, we have our own team even with, you know, and then we do take a child because we're still in that helping and giving and trying to, you know what I mean? Help anybody that we can we're givers I'll tell you that um but we created a bike team the bicycle team and we take a child um every year that doesn't that's interested or wants to join the team might not we sponsor a child every year for our bike yeah I mean trying to it's difficult because, you know, when you have multiple sclerosis, sometimes people are heat intolerant and that's me, but I don't always go, but my husband, I mean, he's, we've got bikes galore and we 
We just like spending time with the kids and Tucker is always, always there with us when we're writing. And I believe that we did this because of him. Wow. That is beautiful. What a neat way to honor his memory and his life. And it's called Good Day Racing. Good Day Racing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think we always can see the ripple effect of our baby's lives until time passes and he is impacting other children. Right. Like, that's amazing. Yes. Amazing. Is there anything in particular that you feel like we should talk about as we kind of close the conversation? Self-care. Mm. taking time and just seeking help when you need it and doing something positive in memory like we do. Mm -hmm. Rely on the ones that love you the most. Beautifully said. And just another reminder to others going through this experience that Self-care is an act of kindness and compassion for yourself. And yes. I don't think there'll be a point in time in anybody's life greater than after losing a baby where right. that self-care and self-compassion needs to be priority number one. Yes. And my other thing is don't judge. <laughs> oh, never, yes. never judge especially when when you struggle with having to make a decision mm -hmm. that one way or another is going to impact your life yep. it's not something you forget about no and it's not there's nothing it's probably the hardest decision you ever have to make it is i and can't think of a decision that's harder no it's very difficult so um Make sure that you can live with your decision. When you go through trials and tribulations, it's your strength that you just don't know how much more you can take, but you just keep taking it. And that's where the self-care and the just being caring and compassionate. I agree. Well, Brenda, you have offered such a beautiful gift by sharing your story and sharing little Tucker's life with us. And I want to take a moment to pause to remember Tucker and how his life is continuing to live on in this conversation and the work that you are doing with the BMX racing and including other children. And I want to say thank you so much for taking this time to be here on the podcast. All right. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's been my honor. All right. Thank you. We covered a lot of ground in this conversation, and I'm sure there are different points in this conversation that you may identify with. And my hope is that hearing another provider talk about their journey with loss will help you feel less alone. And if you do have moments that you feel really alone in your grief, 
There is a virtual support group specifically for female licensed healthcare providers that meets on the second Monday of every month at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I will pop a link in the show notes. Free yoga is coming up at the end of September on Sunday evening, the 25th at 7.15 p.m. Again, the link is in the show notes. And if you could help spread this resource and the other resources like the virtual support group and yoga to other providers, please rate and review this podcast in Apple Podcasts and consider sharing this with anybody you think who may benefit from the messages and the stories and resources that are being shared here. Thank you so much for being here. Mm